so. Last Sunday was pretty powerful, yeah? Last weekend was pretty powerful. How many here received a direct word from God? No, that's all of us. (laughs) We actually all did. You see, so often we think prophecy is just an individual thing for an individual person, but God is speaking and is always speaking to us. So every word you heard here from here is prophetic. So at any point in time, you can receive prophetic words because there's a whole map for you here. God tells you his will, his purpose for your life, who you are in him, what he has for you. And then, yes, there is this element of discovering the assignments that he would have you live out while you are on earth, empowered by his spirit and power and truth. Amen. But prophecy is really available while you breathe because it's right in front of you. Here's the challenge. Prophecy is to be realized. Otherwise, it stays unfulfilled prophecy. They spoke about Jesus. There was all these incredible words from men that had gone before him years before who spoke a reality, and then Jesus arrived. The prophecy about Jesus is fulfilled. Tracking with me? Abraham, the prophecy was spoken, the promise that he would have a son, it was fulfilled. So God was speaking to us very prophetically in imagery, individually, but corporately, and confirming everything that's already been told. When I met up with Steve, Steve said, really all I'm going to be doing this weekend outside of speaking on individual people is confirming what has already been spoken here and affirming so the church understands and who, who she's being called to be so they come into the word. So there's imagery all the time that God uses, doesn't he, throughout his word. He calls the church a temple of the Holy Spirit. So you can have a picture of what a temple looks like, can't you? You know, wow, temple's strong. It's built well. It sustains things that hit it. He says, gives you other imagery. He says, this son of yours, Isaac, his, his, um, the inheritance, the people that come through him will be like sand on the seashore. So you get to realize the granules of sand, man, that's massive. So there's all this imagery that God uses to communicate a reality to help his people grab what he's doing. Are we tracking so far? Yeah? Cool. So God gave us an imagery, again, in a military context, which had already been spoken four years ago by David Peters, who said God is changing this community, this people, this church, from a cruiser ship to a military ship. He said, you've been cruising for too long. He said it nicer than that. <laughs> but we've been cruising. It's a cruise ship. We're having a party. We're on the sun deck. Got the tequila. Got the cocktails. And we got the dancing going on. It's the 50s party. We're all having a good time. He says, that's great. But it's now time to become this military armed ship. And the prophecy was that everyone would know their position and be in position and actively be engaging in the army. That was 2012. 
I don't know how many days that is. Let's say 1,400 days from the day it came. And God reminded us last Sunday of what he's expecting you and I to become. You see, if the prophecy doesn't become realized, it's unfulfilled prophecy. It's a waste of time. If Jesus doesn't turn up, it's a waste of time, isn't it? If Isaac doesn't turn up, it's a waste of time. It's a lie. God's a liar, and God is not a liar. So he calls forth, gives us imagery that we can understand in our heads to try and get an idea of what he's doing. I was given a word that you all heard of a spiritual general. There's a bit of weight to carry, isn't there? Responsibility, and you think, how does that fit? Well, let me think of an army and how that works and my place in the army. Why? So the army, when it moves, it moves as one. It moves in power. It moves with one heart, one purpose, one spirit, one mind. What for? To become one with the Father and the Son, to bring glory to the Father's name so a world would look and see God on earth through the church. Is that clear? So there's all these images that God gives, and God has given us and has given us. And I'm going to share two other pictures that I've shared, but I haven't really shared in fullness a lot. So some of you will know this, and some of you won't. You'll be hearing this for the first time, and more and more I just sense I've got to keep speaking and reinforcing the imagery God's given us, the prophetic pictures, so we actually become who he's asking us to be. Because we can easily not. Yes? We can easily not become the military and know our tasks and our functions and how we serve and how we lay our lives down and be this military army that God calls us to be, knowing that we're in a war and yet the battle's already won. (laughs) We're in a war, but the battle's already won? The victory is won, so we don't have to battle. We just have to walk out what already is. But know there will be opposition to that walk. But if we know who we are, the opposition doesn't affect us because we just hear the lie, laugh at the lie, and continue (coughs) to walk straight. Because it's a lie, isn't it? So if we know the truth, we don't get caught up by the lie because I'm a man of truth, and I know that's not true. So it's a very offensive army that doesn't retreat, because the Bible says in Matthew 16, 18, which was quoted last week, on the revelation of Jesus Christ, I, Jesus, build my people, my church, and the gates of Hades, which is the flesh and the demonic presence, do not overpower that church. So the church Jesus is building are offensive all the time. Why? Because Jesus is building his church. Man isn't. And because Jesus builds the way Jesus builds, he's building his life in the church. So here's another imagery. So the house that is built on the rock, when the waves come, the house stands. But the other house is knocked over. Why? Because it wasn't being built by the builder of the house, the rock. It was being built by man. Clear? I'm trying to limit my words so I don't bring confusion to what I'm trying to say. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give me limited words but full impact. I could just say this. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. There it is. See you later. Sit down. We're done. We'll go home. No, keep speaking. Okay. 
Because that's all you really need to know. It really is. The life behind those words sets the captive free, and away we go. So here's one image I want you to grab that God showed me. It was about two and a half years ago. I was saw um, Porirua Pools. Anyone been to Porirua Pools? You know the pools? So there's almost two pools. There's the lanes where they swim, like you can go swim lanes, and then there's sort of the kids and adults pool where the wave is and all that stuff, and it's pretty cool. And then you'll see me in the spa pool on the other side at times. <laughs> um, but this was an image of the pool where people swim lanes. But on that particular day in my, in my vision, um, it wasn't. It was just everyone was in the water. I couldn't see the other kiddies. It's, everyone was just in there having a great old time. Okay? And there was um, lifeguards there all around the pool. Everyone was having a ball. It was chock-a-block with people. And then as I turned my head, I saw the sea. And I saw a few people in the sea. And Jesus was out on the water calling everyone that was in the pool to get into the sea. But there was only a handful of people. I'm not kidding, about 12 people in the sea. And everyone was having a whale of a time in the pool. And then these words came to me, the pool is safe. See, the pool, in the pool, in that pool, you know the depth. You know the deep end, the shallow end. It's got sides. So if you need to, you just hang out on the side. There are surf life-saving guards there that if you get in trouble, will jump in and rescue you. So everything about the pool was safe. But Jesus wasn't in the pool. In fact, he was calling people from the pool to get into the sea where it's limitless. There are no boundaries, but he is the boundary. There is no, we don't know the depth. He is the depth. He's talking about swimming over your head and being comfortable that there's sea monsters in the sea. There's no sea monsters in the pool. Occasionally there is in Poirua, and they evacuate the pool. (laughs) It looks bigger underwater. Whoa! (laughs) But see, in the sea, it's endless, it's boundaryless, it's vast, and yet that's where Jesus was. And that's a picture for now. It's another picture of almost the cruise ship and the military ship. You can hang out in the pool, but life's out in the sea. This other picture was the end of what we just sung. He showed me an image of the bride. And it was this image, along with a whole lot of revelation, that stirred me to the point where everything started to have to shift here. And what I saw was men and women who were in suits and gowns, but... It wasn't that the women were wearing gowns and the guys were in suits. It was just men and women. I couldn't tell who was wearing what. You couldn't even tell shape. It was people who had their back to me, and there was this radiant... Everything was light. So there was this massive... The whole thing in the vision was light, and there were people standing there in white looking at the light. I pray that they would be one as we are one. I want to gown them in white linen. For the righteous acts of the saint is their linen, their garments of righteousness. It was a picture of the bride. And God saying to me, this is what it's about, son. It's about my church realizing who she is, who she's been called to be, that it's been about relationship from the beginning, not function. 
not what you do to me, do for me, but who you are in me and my relationship. Like everything else that's human, I did not marry Danielle for function. I married her for relationship. It'd be a sad marriage if I married my wife for function, what she could do for me. In our relationship, do we serve one another? Yes. But that's not the reason we got married. It's not the reason why God wants to marry you because of what you do for him. It's for who he's making you to become. Hence why the greatest commandment God could give his church would be to love him with all your heart. Because a bride will love God with all her heart. I would not have married Danielle if she said to me, Greg, you know what? I love you, but I love your best man more. So I want to share that with you because he is stirring you and I as the church. He's stirring us. He's activating gifts, stirring. Because people, the Bible says in that prophecy, people knew their position, which means you know your gift. You know because you're in the relationship with the Christ, you'll know the gift on your life. Everything flows out of relationship, doesn't it? So if we know him, if we're intimate, he'll tell you, he'll reveal in you what's natural to you will flow out of you. And so then there'll be a position. And I'm not just talking about serving in the cafe. That is not the first point of call in the building of the church. There is a whole function outside of anything that happens here, and yet it's still crossed over here. And we need to be able to see which way around the true work, the authentic work of God is. So whether I actually was paid to be here, I'd still be here doing what I'm doing. Okay? Jay would still be here doing what he's doing, not because it's about playing music, because he's living out the authentic role, which is also about sharing the word with people, eating the word. It's about serving 24-7 because we're servants, not volunteers. We use volunteers when we're going to be changing that word to servant because that's the word actually of servants, not volunteers. Volunteering means you volunteer for a set time. No, no, a servant serves 100% of the time. It's not optional. Can you hear what I'm saying? Jesus was a servant. (laughs) He was having a bad day. We were in trouble if he was a volunteer. I didn't sign up for this, man. Things go a little bit wrong. Someone offends us. I'm out of here. Why? Because I'm a volunteer. No, no, when you're a servant, serving the Father's will, that trumps any offense because that's greater than the offense because of what you're living for because you've heard and you've seen and God's moving us beyond ourselves. Is that cool? So, um, come with me to Hebrews 11, verses 4. And we're going to continue and look at two scriptures and then unpack. Hebrews 11, verses 4. God is for us, yes. This isn't the scripture, by the way. So if God is for us, who can be against us? That's what Romans 8 says. So God is for you and I to come in 
to faith of Hebrews 11. Can we settle that? That what we've been talking about, Hebrews 11, God is for us and wants to lead us into the fullness of the same faith of these men and women that we've been reading about and talking about. We settle that, yes? If that's a no, then we're in trouble because God says, I'm for you. And so he's for me to see me become who he's called me to be. And the Bible says that God will finish the work that he started. Here's the but, but I must be in agreement to that work being finished. I can't just say yes, yes, and then continue to live for me because the work won't get done. See, the Israelites were supposed to enter into the promised land, yes. They got prophecy. God was speaking to them, you will go into, it's a land full of milk and honey. Now, a whole lot of people did enter, but some a whole lot were killed because of their unbelief. So unbelief can hold you back from the reality that God's calling for you because you have to say yes and amen and agree with God. Hence, relationship is so vital. And so God is for us to come into what you're about to hear today, the depth of faith that God is calling us to. So I'm going to read this, picking up in verse 4. Hebrews 11, 4. By faith, everyone say by faith. Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. So the guy died thousands of years ago, but I'm talking about him. It's pretty cool, eh? That's a legacy you'd want to leave behind, wouldn't it? That he lived a type of life that would get him written in the living word of God. And he lived it by faith. And he offered God a better sacrifice than his brother. We're going to look at that by faith. So because he was in faith, the sacrifice he brought was a better sacrifice than his brother's. And it created, the Bible says, a testimony. So through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. So who can remember Hebrews 11 verse 1 and 2? For by it, what? Their faith, they were made righteous, these people of old. And we looked at their works, their, their faith-led works, what they did, being led by the Spirit, stepping out in obedience, covered them, and by that they were made right. We've been made right through the blood of the Lamb. They were made right through what they did. So Abraham, he heard, he acted, he stepped out because he knew, had the sword, went to kill, and God said, stop. He's the father of faith, and that act made him righteous. So through his offering, he gets a testimony, a true declaration of something in God, and he's made right. That's pretty cool, isn't it? What by, Greg? By faith. Faith is what? Faith, biblically, okay, that's my terminology. I'm trying to unpack what Hebrews 11 one says. So the Bible says that faith 
is the assurance of what you hope for. It's the conviction of the unseen. So it's an assurance of what I'm hoping for. I know I'm going to get it. It's the conviction. It's a true knowing, a full conviction, a full knowing, a full believing of something that I've seen, not physically, but in the spirit, a reality. So I put it in words like this. Faith is the truth known realized and acted upon in obedience to Christ. This is what Abel did. By faith, he's got a knowledge of God. By faith. Faith is the substance of the truth known and lived out. So it was natural for him to bring the best offering. Why? Because he's got a knowledge of. It makes perfect sense. When you know something, you act in accordance to knowledge, yes? Two plus two equals four. What is your phone number? Tell me. All at once. Right. So you have an absolute conviction of your phone number? Thanks, Shirley. Yes, yes, you have, a, you have an absolute conviction of your name. So you act in accordance to what you know, don't you? Right. So this is no different. So he's acting in accordance by faith. He presents a better sacrifice. Why? Because he has a knowledge of something that his brother doesn't. It's just natural. When you find love and in love, you act in accordance to love, don't you? If you love your spouse, don't you just act out and have love because of what you know? See, we've confused us so much that we think it's not literal and simple. And somehow we bamboozled us with thinking the spiritual thing is one thing and the physical is another. But we're able to manage and lead things in the physical. But when it comes to this, we're like, oh, I don't have to do that. So he has faith. By faith, he brings an offering that the Father says, well done, son. And what we're going to look at, which I love, is God gives Cain the opportunity to turn and repent. And we're going to look at that. But let's look at Enoch, okay? So Enoch, uh, by faith, and I shared this. You know how many times the word by faith is used in the whole of chapter 11? Who can remember? So you get tested. 24, good man, 24 times. I reckon God's trying to get through to us, isn't he? Come back to my word at the start. Prophecy. Are you hearing coming into? We can't just, it's not good enough to the guys just to turn up and not to eat. Do you go to a flash restaurant just to turn up? I'll have the I'll have the lobster, I'll have the steak, I'll have the dessert, I'll have the entree, I'll have the, the wine, and I'll pay for it all, but I won't eat any of it. Does that make sense? But we can do that. Can't we? Just me. Yeah, okay. By faith, <laughs> Shirley, you're right. Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. So the man is taken up because of his faith because of the way he lived his life, which is a righteous life, where God went, whoa, check that Enoch guy out. Thank you very much. I'll have you now. Your time's up. 
Wouldn't that be cool to be Enoch? Why? Because it says by faith he lived a life on the earth. This faith thing, it's massive. That's probably why it's one of the three most important things. Faith, hope, and love. But love is still the greatest. Because if you don't have love, your faith is really useless. Because you'll be a Pharisee and not a lover of people. So this is huge. Faith enables and empowers us to live righteously. Let's go to Genesis 4 now. Let's unpack this, because this really is profoundly deep. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our eyes to see the fullness of what you want to change us into and hear and know. Okay, so Genesis 4 verse 1. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to a Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time, so there had been time lapse, that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Now, come with me to James 1.14. James 1.14. Right towards the very back. Never feel stink if you don't know where the books of the Bible are. Have a look at your, con- your contents and figure out. Okay? I don't know where every part in the, New- the Old Testament is. Sometimes I'm like, oh man, I can't, yeah, that's one of those little books, eh? <laughs> I know it's sort of there somewhere, so I've got to go and have a look. And Oh yeah, that's cool. So just, I don't know why I'm sharing that. Just... Be set free if you need to be. Don't worry about it. Okay, here we go. James 1.14. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Now just come back to me to Genesis 4.8. I'll just read it out. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He should have been. Are you your brother's keeper? 
Are you your sister's keeper? Are we walking together, covering one another, helping one another not fall into situations that get us living opposite to what he's calling us to? Verse 10, he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. This is very powerful. And so here we have two brothers. And there's been this time elapse. And when I was reading and did some research, what the writer was saying is that, or what the writer was suggesting is that Abel knew that he needed to bring a, a living offering that needed to be killed for the blood to cleanse the sin. And his brother didn't. And this is one of the main reasons why God accepted Abel's offering and not Cain's. Because Cain just brought produce. And because by faith, because of knowledge that Abel had, he brought the right offering. We need to offer a sacrifice because we're all sinners and we need to be cleansed. And I can't come into the presence of the Lord without something that cleanses my sinful nature. So he brought the first the best, and it was fat. Why? Because of the knowledge he had. Not because he was better in the sense of, well, I'm a good and you're a bad guy, Cain. No, just because of the knowledge that he had, the faith that he had, just enabled him to live in accordance to what he was supposed to be doing. Now, when you put that into our context, what does that look like? This is where the heat gets slightly turned up a little bit. Because the offerings that we are bringing, through the knowledge we have, what do they look like? Do we give God our all? So am I giving God all of my life or half of my life? Why? Because of the knowledge. Because it's all about the knowledge you have will set you free. The truth. The knowledge of Jesus, Jesus himself, will set you free. If you continue in my word, my word will set you free. My word will bring you into and change you where you'll be able to see and live a life of righteousness because the word in you is doing the work. So now how you appropriate your behavior just comes into alignment with the word. See, we struggle because of a lack of knowledge. Isn't that what the Bible says? For a lack of knowledge, my people will perish. That's why knowing him is the most important thing on the planet. Truly knowing him. Not knowing about him. Not studying and learning through the art of man. But receiving ongoing revelation of who he is within you. Enables you to live in accordance to the truth. And it's a restful place. It's not a striving place. It's a place of rest. So Abel, he just brings what he knows to bring. He's not trying to offend Cain. He's not trying to upset his brother. He's just doing what you do because of the faith that he has. 
But see, what happens is Cain gets upset. You see what happens when people live by faith? They start to demonstrate something on the earth. They start to become the demonstration, the imitator of God that we're called to be. So we start living to a higher plane. We start living to a higher standard. Okay, So we start living, and then we start speaking this reality, which then starts to threaten or encourage. It either inspires or it makes you feel insecure. Why? Because you look and you go, but I'm not there. That's okay. But be inspired by the person who's come into a faith, whose life is acting out in a way, because they're there to encourage you not to make you feel small. But what can happen here is, and what we're seeing here, is Abel, who's just living life by faith, the knowledge of God he has, let's celebrate that. And let's present the best. He goes, well, there you go. God goes, whoa, that's awesome. Well done. I accept that, son. Why? Because you're living righteously in right standing to me. Not trying to make yourself good. You can't do that. You're living in accordance to my ways. You hear that? His brother is living in the opposite. So I love it. Then God gives him this choice and an opportunity to turn, doesn't he? Then the Lord said to Cain, so Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. What's the matter, Cain? He didn't seek my offering, but he accepted my brothers. And he's the second born, and I'm the firstborn. And he's angry. You'd want to check yourself if anger comes out of you. You'd want to ask yourself, why am I reacting this way? When a button is pressed and anger is the first thing out of you, I would stop and say, whoa. You may not even have eyes to see it. So let someone else be a voice of faith and say, hey, did you realize what just happened there? Are we that humble that we'll let that happen? Because if we're not, we'll never come into the fullness of what God has because you'll never realize what you're living out. And that very thing is stopping you from actually receiving more. And you may not even realize it. So his brother's angry. And God says this, why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you live in accordance by faith to the way I'm asking you, you will get the result of that. If you live and eat the food I'm giving you, the outcome of that will be life. So you can't continue doing what you've always done, Cain, and expect another result. It's called insanity. (laughs) Can you hear me? And he says, if you do, son, your countenance will be lifted up. Did God love Cain? Yes. Does God want Cain to come into the fullness of what he has for him? Yes. Is God for us or against us? For us. So he gives Cain an opportunity to turn. 
Hence this whole thing about lust, which is the flesh. So he goes on, he says this, And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Well, you can't defeat your own sin. I love what Keith Harrison says at our men's group. He said, you can't surrender until you know how defeated you are. See, if you don't know you're defeated, you're not surrendering. You're still trying to live. Because you can't defeat your sin. Jesus has already defeated it. Jesus had to come and defeat our sin. But see, the lust of Cain, the lust of his flesh... Boiled up inside the man. I want this, that. It's not going according to Cain's plan, to the way he thought it would go. And his brother is demonstrating a reality, and it's annoying him to the point where he killed him. Why? Because the lust became sin, the sin got hold of him, and the outworking of sin, James says, is what? Death. So there's a two element to this. Inside of us spiritually, if you partake of things and eat of things, then you will spiritually die. And because you spiritually die, you will then act out and possibly kill someone else. Now the Bible says if you have hatred in your heart for someone, you've murdered them. So the standard rose again when Jesus came, didn't it? Can you see why it is essential by faith we walk this walk out? By faith unlocks the ability to live out the truth we're called to. And Because we are, as a church, going after this, it will will reveal things in our own hearts and minds. It'll press insecurities. It'll push buttons for the purpose of bringing everyone into faith. And here's the challenge for mankind. Because when God came to Adam, after Adam had sinned, what did Adam do? He ran away and hid. That's what the flesh does. Because the flesh doesn't want to be exposed, but the flesh needs to be exposed for the truth to come in and set the flesh free. That's the power of repentance, not being sorry, but truly repenting. When the truth comes like a light and hits you right between the eyes, the heart, pierces your heart, and you say, what do we need to do? Acts 2.37, we need to repent. We need to turn and let go of what we're holding on to, our idols, the things that I don't want to let go of. The power of that word comes, sets me free, and I turn. But here's the challenge. You can run away. You can run away from the pressure because you want to hold on to your life. You want to hold on to, and God's going, you can't hold on to anything if you want all. 
by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And God allows pressure to bring you and I into a reality that we say no to, but because he loves us and he's for us, he says, I'll never leave you, forsake you. I'm right here with you in the pressure. And if you will turn to me, I will carry you through the pressure, Peter. And I will get you to the place that you needed to be, even though you've gone back to fishing. I told you to come to Galilee where I would be because I'm going to build and you're going to be used as an apostle and a corner, a chief pillar in the building of my church. But you've gone back to fishing, so I've got to come back into your life because you should have been in Galilee where I was because I've been waiting in Galilee because I said I was going to Galilee. But because you didn't have faith, you went and went to fishing. So now I've got to come back again, which he does because he loves us, doesn't he? But where's he trying to get us to? Here, no, he tries to bring, come on. God is the greatest advocate in your team. He is the greatest support player. He is the greatest one that will never leave you for us. And he is for you. But we have to allow his word to shine into the areas of our lives that are stopping us from being the people God has called us to be. And all Abel was trying to do was live in accordance to what God had asked. And it got him killed. If you and I live in accordance to what God's asking, it'll get you killed. We're in an army, aren't we? And there's a battle, isn't there? We're not the PC army. We're the God peacemaker army. We go where there is no peace and we make peace and we are prepared to be killed for peace because we are peacemakers, not peacekeepers. PC, peacekeepers, not peace K, peace C, PC Christians. Jesus was persecuted firstly by who? Who? Those closest to him. And the Bible teaches that even your own household will come against you. They denied him. They betrayed him. His mum and his dad and his brothers thought he was a nutter. Brothers didn't even believe in who he was. And they persecuted him. Until, until they started to realize through knowledge and the work of the Spirit who he was. Imagine that. Why do you think Peter broke when he denied him? Because in a moment in time, the word he was given, which he said, I'm going to go with you to death. He's realizing he's full of something. It's called lust. It's called flesh. So he couldn't even pray in the garden for an hour. How was he ever going to go to his death? <laughs> you see, Peter did what he did well. What did Peter do in the garden? He slept well when he was supposed to be praying. What else did he do well? Out comes the sword. And off comes the ear. You see, Peter had plenty of motivation and guile to do the fleshly thing because that's what he knew. He had no conviction, passion to do the thing he was asked to do, which was to pray. 
Just saying. What does your life look like? God asks us to pray. God calls us Wednesday morning six to come and pray. What are you doing at that time with your flesh? Sleeping? See, I have to say this to stir us because I want us to become the prophetic word. I want you and I to be the reality of what is spoken, not just get nicely carried away with feelings because we had a prophet in the house and it sounded all great and we're all good, but then everything goes back to normal. See, I'm laying my life down to see us become the very thing that is being declared because it's about the demonstration of it, isn't it? By faith, Abel demonstrated the reality by what he brought. Cain, not in faith, demonstrated something else. There are two demonstrations going on here in the picture. And God says, I'm well pleased with that one. Well done. This one, son, whoa, got a bit of work to do here. Still love you. If you turn and learn, then your countenance will be lifted up like your brother's. And now the two are becoming in one page. But Cain didn't. And so he killed his brother. But Abel knew something that Cain didn't. Abel knew that he would be with God. See, Abel, by faith, knew there was no death. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. So, Father, I thank you. And I thank you that you're speaking, building, creating, forming, breathing life into us through your power of your word that's heard. I thank you that you're for us. I thank you that if we have the Spirit of God, we have ears to hear you. We have eyes to see you. We have a mind and a heart to receive you. For you see, blessed are your eyes, for they see and ears, for you hear. And then you went to work and continue to form that reality into your disciples. And that's a message for us. That we do hear and we do see, but we are coming to hear and see what that even means. For you are maturing us, growing us into the fullness of the stature of Christ, that we may live out and demonstrate the life Jesus demonstrated here on earth. Men and women submitted, surrendered to love under the power of Jesus Christ in us, then capable and able by the power within us to live out this truth for the whole world and another, other churches to be encouraged and to see what is fully possible when a church surrenders and submits their will to our Heavenly Father. And so, Father, today I pray your word goes deep. Reveal it in us. I thank you for your grace that empowers us to live. Your mercy that overlooks our shortcomings. 
and your peace and your joy that we live from. In Jesus' name.